Welcome to Round Rock Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening. If you're in the Austin area, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday at 8.30 or 10 a.m. Or you can check us out and watch online at roundrockchurch.us. May God bless you as you seek Him, and may He use this message to give you exactly what you need. I love what we do when we come together. I, I just I love that we everything that we do, but especially when we're singing, and I know it's it's to God and it's also to each other, but it's it's to us, it's to me. And I I just love that we get to make some affirmations, you know, that we're we're repeating to ourselves, these are things I believe to be true. And how meaningful it was today to say, I am a child of God. I mean, maybe there are all sorts of things going on in my life that make make me wonder about that, but it's true. I'm a child of God, and it was good to affirm that. It was good to affirm that we're going to be singing in the storm. Uh, we're not we're not just going under. We're gonna we're gonna have something to say even when the storms of life are building up around us. And I I think Jeremiah would have liked those songs today. Uh, I can see him uh, wanting to make those affirmations. We're we're just getting started and working through the book of Jeremiah uh, this summer, and it's kind of choppy here at the beginning. <clears throat> started it two weeks ago, and was out last week, and I'll be out next week, and then we'll have about three or four together. But we're, we're trying to learn to live life at its very best. And Jeremiah is our guide through that, uh, because living that kind of life isn't always easy, uh, and we know that. And our our theme, first, uh, theme verse, in fact, for this series comes from Jeremiah chapter 12, where Jeremiah is going through some tough times. Um, and, and God comes alongside him, and he, he says, Jeremiah, if, if racing against mere men makes you tired, how will you race against horses? In other words, if, if, you're, if you're just kind of already shuffling along in mediocrity when things are tough, how, how are you going to live this and run this race of excellence? And so we heard last week that, or two weeks ago, that, that God shared his dream with Jeremiah. And I think the question Jeremiah faced and the question that we face is, are we willing to dare to dream the dreams that God has for us? We heard Jeremiah's. God told him that uh, at the very beginning of his ministry that, Jeremiah, I, I knew you before you were born. And I have set you apart. Even when Jeremiah was in his mother's womb, God set him apart for this dream that he wanted to, to live out in Jeremiah's life. And I wish I could say that Jeremiah's ministry went really uh, great after that. and just went really smoothly, but the point uh, is that it was not that case at all. It was one of continual conflict. It was one of apparent uh, ineffectiveness. It was Jeremiah's lot in life to watch his nation just self-destruct because of disobedience from God. And, and, uh, and you, you just see that from beginning to end. Jeremiah lived that life of, of witnessing that. There's a time in the first chapter, right after God calls him, uh, where he shares two visions with Jeremiah to prepare him for his ministry. And in the second of those visions, in uh, uh, Jeremiah verse 13, Jeremiah says, The Lord spoke to me again and asked, What do you see now? And I replied, I see a pot of boiling water spilling from the north. And that pot of boiling water is Babylon. God is sending the Babylonians. He tells us in the next verse, Yes, the Lord said, For terror from the north will boil out on the people of this land. Listen, I am calling the armies of the kingdoms of the north to come to Jerusalem. I, the Lord, have spoken. 
They will set their thrones at the gates of the city. Some other king is going to put his throne there at the gate of the city. They will attack its walls and all the other towns of Judah. I will pronounce judgment on my people for all their evil, for deserting me and burning incense to other gods. Yes, they worship idols made with their own hands. And that was, that was Jeremiah's mission. That, that was God's plan for Jeremiah, was to go and to pronounce uh, that message throughout the land and, and tell people what God was doing. And so he does that, and no one listens. <laughs> no one listens. In fact, it seems like they would do the opposite of what Jeremiah would say to do. He would say, don't go fight this battle. You'll be wiped out. Instead, surrender. And they would go out and fight the battle and get wiped out. He would tell them to go here, and they would go there. I mean, he really was something of, a, of an object of ridicule. And even worse than that, he was an object of persecution. He was, he was put in a dungeon. He was arrested. He was thrown into a, a water tank or a cistern. There were, there were plots to kill him, even plots by the leaders, plots by the people, plots by other prophets. And, and that was pretty much the pattern of Jeremiah's life, just one of, of, of pretty much failure. And so maybe this is a good point to ask a question that some of you probably have already wondering about here. Are, are you sure you've got the right prophet? <laughs> I mean, really, we're, you know, we're talking about trying to live, live the, the life at its best, and Jeremiah is going to coach us in that. Uh, you know, is this, are you sure you got the right guy? Aren't there other people in the Bible more qualified to do that? Isn't this the weeping prophet? Well, yeah, he, he is. And so that question, why Jeremiah, is a legitimate one. And I, there are a couple of things going on. Um, one is that, I feel like part of my role as the interim preacher is to get you ready for the next guy. Well, a, a summer with a weeping prophet and you'll be ready. <laughs> I promise you that. You'll be so desperate, you might take Justin back even. I mean, that's, that is how bad this could be. But it's not going to be, I promise you. We're not going to be doing a lament uh, every, every week when we talk about this. Um, but it's, it is a legitimate question. Why Jeremiah? And before I answer that, I want to tell you about a guy by the name of Pasher. Pasher was the priest who was in charge of the temple. And one day he was there and Jeremiah was doing his, his ministry. He was proclaiming this message of, of judgment. And uh, Pasher had just had enough. He, he was absolutely fed up. And so he had Jeremiah arrested and then put in stocks outside the, the temple gate, which and he was beaten as well. And you can imagine how difficult that was. First of all, to you know, you, he's been beaten and he, he can't rub his sores or anything because he's in stocks. But the other thing was how humiliating that was. And Jeremiah was already an object of, of ridicule. And so you know that as people were going by, they just they said some probably really ugly things to Jeremiah. And so He's, he's there in, in these stocks, and the next day, Pastor has him released. And the first thing Jeremiah does is make a beeline to Pastor. And he gets eyeball to eyeball with him, and here's, here's what Jeremiah tells Pastor. He says, Pastor, the Lord has changed your name. From now on, you are to be called the man who lives in terror. He gave him a, they're giving you a new Hebrew name, and that name translated means the man who lives in terror. For this is what the Lord says. I will send terror upon you and all your friends 
and you will watch as they are slaughtered by the swords of the enemy. He's just, he's just telling Pasher what for. He says, I will hand the people of Judah over to the king of Babylon. He will take them captive to Babylon or run them through with the sword. Those are not neither very good options. And I will let your enemies plunder Jerusalem. All the famed treasures of the city, the precious jewels and silver of your kings will, will be carried off to Babylon. And as for you, Pastor, you and all your household will be carried off to Babylon. There you will die and be buried, you and all your friends, to whom you prophesied that everything would be all right. So he tells all this to Pasher, and then he, in essence, gets out of there, finds a quiet place, and has a good cry. And it is at that point that Jeremiah is really astonishingly honest and open with God. Because here's, here's what he says next. He says, O oh Lord, you misled me, and I allowed myself to be misled. And he's thinking back to his, his call. He's thinking back to that time when God said, I set you apart, Jeremiah. I have this dream for you. Uh, there are things I want to do for you. And, and Jeremiah is, is kind of wondering what happened. God had even told him during that dream that, Jeremiah, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to make you into a fortified city that can't be captured. I'm going to make you an iron pillar. I'm going to make you a bronze wall that, that will stand against the entire nation. Well, that dream for Jeremiah is fading. In fact, really, it's, it's turned into something more of a nightmare. So he says, God, I, I don't get it. I mean, you, you tricked me into this. You, you, you misled me, and, allow, and I allowed that to happen. He goes on and says that you are stronger than I am, and you overpowered me. I am mocked every day. Everyone laughs at me. When I speak, the words burst out. Violence and destruction, I shout. That's what God told him to say. Violence and destruction, I shout. And so these messages from the Lord have made me a household joke. But if I say I'll never mention the Lord or speak in His name, His word burns in my heart like a fire. It's like a fire in my bones. I'm worn out trying to hold it in. I can't do it. I can't abandon this dream, God, that You have for me. I have heard the many rumors about me. They call me the man who lives in terror. That's the name that he just said God was giving to Pasher, the guy who put him in, in stocks. He says, well, that's, that's why people are calling me the man who lives in terror. They threaten, if you say anything, we will report it. Even my old friends are watching me waiting for a fatal slip. He will trap himself, they say, and then we will get our revenge on him. But the Lord stands beside me like a great warrior. Before him, my persecutors will stumble. They cannot defeat me. O Lord of heaven's armies, I have committed my cause to you. And this is the answer to the question, why Jeremiah? This is why Jeremiah is such a good resource uh, for us, because uh, you know you tend to think of of people who are uh, much more cheery and and happy and upbeat when you think about someone who's going to help you live the best life. And here Jeremiah, you know, he's he starts off this section with a complaint. You know, you you've misled me, God. You know that this section is actually known by by you know 
by people as Jeremiah's complaint. Jeremiah's complaint. How would you like a complaint named after you? You know, <laughs> uh, for thousands of years, people associate a complaint with you. You know, well, there's some guy driving slow in the left lane. Oh, that's Tim's complaint. You know, he's kind of famous for that, you know. But really, this, this could be my complaint as well. This could be my complaint and probably yours because it's just so, it's so universal. We've been there. We, we know what it's like to think that God isn't being fair. And we want those dreams that God dreams for us to, to happen and be realized. We, we want His plans for our life to, to, to come into effect. We want the kind of marriage that God wants us to have. And, and we want to have the kind of attitude that God wants us to have. We want to have the kind of relationships that God dreams for us. We know that, but sometimes we think it's, it's just a dream. And dreams don't come true. And that's where Jeremiah is. He's, he's ready to give up. He, he's ready to not run with the horses, but to accept the mediocrity that offers itself to those who want to compromise and, and just kind of back off and settle for less. And so you would have thought his next words would have been, I'm done. But instead, it's, I'm, 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 still, I'm still here, God. And I'm, I'm still moving forward. And, and I'm still going to be trusting in you and looking to you. And so that's, that's why we find Jeremiah to be such a, such a beneficial resource. Because those other messages that we hear sometimes, kind of the, the prosperity gospel, you know, the, the, the health and wealth idea that if you just love God and you pray, everything's going to be okay. Well, what if it isn't okay? What, what if a good person gets cancer and dies? What if a, a really good person is a, is a good employee and is, is conscientious and works hard and maybe even talks to other people that work about Jesus, but that person still gets laid off? What, what if we really want to have a good family, but it just, it just doesn't seem to happen? What then? You see, Jeremiah speaks from the perspective not of someone who just had it all together and all these great things just kept falling into his lap. Jeremiah speaks from the, the vantage point of real life. A, a real life that can, be, that can be hard sometimes. Jeremiah was in the minds of almost everyone in his day, uh, a complete failure. He didn't do anything to change the course of the nation. Uh, nothing he did changed the course of many individuals. There's a time in chapter 42 near, near the end of his ministry where the Babylonians have been there and they're, they're doing all this, uh, you know, they've kind of just taken over really. And there's a group of military leaders who, who've escaped and they're kind of wondering, okay, what do we do? And they're thinking, let's, let's go into Egypt, kind of a strategic withdrawal. And, and we'll re, regroup there and then we'll, we'll come back and we'll, we'll fight. But before they do that, they go to Jeremiah, which is what you want to see happen. They, they go to Jeremiah and they say, okay, Jeremiah, whatever you tell us to do, we'll do. We want you to pray to God and come back with your answer. And whatever you say, do, that's what we'll do. And so Jeremiah goes away and he prays. And 10 days later, he comes back and he says, okay, this is what God says. God says, don't go to Egypt. Stay here and God will look out for you and you'll be okay. You know what they say? You're lying, Jeremiah. That, that's not what God told you to do. They had told him, we're going to do whatever you tell us to do. And now they actually go and do the very thing that Jeremiah said don't do. They go into Egypt and they force Jeremiah to go with him. 
And we assume that that's, that's where Jeremiah actually dies. Uh, Jeremiah was just, at best, a heroic failure to all the people around him. But to God, Jeremiah was a stunning success. He didn't change anyone, but God didn't ask him to change anyone. God just asked him to speak, and that's what he did. He didn't want to. It, it caused him a lot of heartache, but that's what he did. God didn't call Jeremiah to be a great leader. He didn't call Jeremiah to build a great church. He didn't call Jeremiah to be successful. He just called Jeremiah to do one thing, and I think he's calling you and me to do the same thing. God calls us to be faithful. He calls us to be faithful. In whatever context we find ourselves, whether it's as a husband or wife or a son or daughter or parent or an employee, just whatever context we find ourselves, that we are going to be disciples of Jesus and we are going to live life. That's what we're about. That's what we're going to do. And that's what it means to be faithful. It's just to live out God's calling in whatever context we find ourselves. You know, in a 40-year in a ministry, through the most confusing and the most chaotic decades of Judah's entire history, Jeremiah was invincible. Inwardly, he was in great agony, but he never swerved. Uh, he was mocked, he was persecuted, but he never deviated from his position. There was enormous pressure placed on Jeremiah to compromise and to quit and to just go hide somewhere and let someone else do it, but he never did. He, he really was, in that 40-year ministry, what God said he would be way back in the beginning. He was that, that, uh, uh, that city, that fortified city that couldn't be captured. He was an iron pillar. He was a bronze wall that stood against the entire nation. And even though Jeremiah was considered a failure by the people of his day, that's not the end of his story. Because about 70 years later, uh, just as he said it would happen, the people of Judah were able to leave Babylon, those who wanted to, and go back to Jerusalem. And that story is told in Ezra, which begins with the words, in fulfillment of the words of Jeremiah the prophet. And Daniel, who lived during that time, lived in that, that uh, time of captivity, some things happening in his life, he said, you know, this is in fulfillment of the words of Jeremiah the prophet. And some three centuries later, when Jesus enters into this world, Matthew describes some of the events that surrounded his birth as being in fulfillment of the words of Jeremiah the prophet. And he describes some events associated with the death of Jesus as being in fulfillment of the words of Jeremiah the prophet. And I think most amazingly to me, when Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? What, what's the word on the street? Uh, what are people saying about me? The disciples say, well, some people think you're John the Baptist. And there are some people who think you're Ezekiel. Uh, maybe the spirit of Ezekiel reincarnated. And there are still others who say you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Now, now why would they say that? Why, why would they think that Jesus was Jeremiah? It was because by then they had come to realize that God had indeed put His words 
into Jeremiah's mouth. And Jeremiah had been faithful to deliver those words. Now, I want, I want to close with, uh, by telling you how I think God instilled that kind of vision into Jeremiah. I mentioned earlier that God, God gave Jeremiah a couple of visions at the beginning of his ministry. One was the boiling pot. We'll actually come back and talk about that again in, in a couple of weeks. But there was another one that came right before that. It's in verse 11, where Jeremiah says, The Lord said to me, Look, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I replied, I see a branch from an almond tree. And the Lord said, That's right. And it means that I am watching, and I will certainly carry out my plans. Now that might not mean a whole lot to us, but it did to Jeremiah. Because in his language, in Hebrew, the word for almond tree and the word for watching or to watch are almost identical. And so, so it's really kind of a play on words that, that God is giving him here. That the word for almond tree, he sees an almond tree and God says, I'm watching. Those, those two words are almost identical. And here's, here's why that is significant. I told you before that I you know, grew up in Kentucky and lived in the southeast a, a big part of my life. And uh, every year in early spring, when you've had just about enough of winter, You've had all of the brown and the gray that you can stand. If you're, if you're out driving or, or walking uh, through the woods, uh, one of those early spring days, you may see some, some white spots in the woods that you don't think were there the day before. And you go the next day and there are a few more. And then they, they just kind of keep coming and those are the blossoms of the dogwood tree. Uh, that, that bloom even before the leaves come out. Those, those blossoms will appear. And so the dogwood tree, like the almond tree, is an early bloomer. And uh, the dogwood tree, like the almond tree, has these beautiful white blossoms. But it's really about so much more than the beauty. Um, it, it really is anticipation. It is a promise that, that very soon this lush green landscape that we love is about to return. And we kind of saw, have seen something like that this year when we you went through that awful winter where so much died, but look how lush and green it is every, uh, around us right now. And so the vision of the almond tree trained Jeremiah in hope. And every year during his 40-year ministry, there would come a time when the almond trees would begin, begin to blossom and Jeremiah would see those white blossoms and he would be reminded, God is watching. God is watching. God, God is still here. There is no living the life of faith, whether it's by prophet or person, without some kind of sustaining vision like this. Um, faithfulness springs from hope. Hope that is based on experience. Hope that is based on evidence. Hope that is based on conviction. And you've, you've, you've got that. You, you've seen that in your own life. You, you have made it through times of struggle. You have rebounded from awful mistakes that you thought would be the end of you. And you might be experiencing a raging gale in your life right now, yet here you are. Here you are. You're, you're here worshiping God. You're, you're making these affirmations like we did a moment ago about how I'm a child of God and I'm going to keep 
singing through the storm, no matter how bad that storm might be. You're here looking in a place where you think some answers might be found. Don't give up on that. Don't give up. You won't be disappointed. Just remain faithful. Remain hopeful. And God's dreams will be lived out in your life. And so, what inspires us to faithfulness? Is a faithful God who calls us to be faithful people. And so we are not giving up on the dreams God has for this church. We are not giving up. God has called this church to live love and to spread love to each other and throughout this community. We're not giving up. We're going to be faithful because we have a faithful God. And we're not giving up as individuals. Uh, th those dreams that God has for our marriages and for our homes and for, for our neighborhoods and for our communities, we're, we're not giving up on my, I'm not giving up on my role in that. Why? Because God's not giving up on us. We serve a faithful God who calls us to be a faithful people. Father, thank you so much for just doing something amazing, speaking through this man who we just we look upon, so many would have looked upon as being an utter failure, uh, who didn't really accomplish anything. So people would have thought in his day. Uh, but you worked through him, and he was faithful to you. And here now, thousands of years later, uh, later you're still encouraging us uh, through Jeremiah. Father, I pray that uh, when we get weary and we're not so much interested in running with the horses as we are just kind of surviving life, uh, that you will remind us of Jeremiah and you'll help us to call out to you and, and call out to one another and that we will be mutually encouraged to just keep pressing on, to just do what we can to be faithful to you this day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.